Hello, and welcome to another edition of Experience the Difference, the podcast from the European Customer Experience Organisation. My name is Christopher Brooks, and it's my privilege to be your host throughout this series. In today's episode, we meet up with Federico Cesconi. Federico is a well-known figure in the world of customer centricity, a pioneer of platform technologies that have created a voice for customers in many organisations across the world. In today's episode, Federico helps us understand the growing importance of customer intelligence. Hello, Federico. How are you? Hi, Christopher. I'm I'm going well. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm good. I think you're the first guest who's asked about me, so it's very good of you. Thank yeah, you. because, you know, usually I, I run a, a podcast as well, so it's <laughs> a little bit strange to be in the other side now. <laughs> oh, this will be fun. Um, Federico, I mean, all of us in the uh, ECXO are very familiar with, with you and, and the great work that you do. Um, you're a very um, powerful uh, and very kind of compelling voice and uh, really get us thinking, which is great. But there may be a few out there who haven't come across you. So would you mind just helping people understand, you know, not only where you've come from and how you've got here, but, but what your role in the world of customer experience is? Thank you that you say few of them don't know him. I assume a lot of them don't, <laughs> don't know me. I'm not so famous. But uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, I started uh, probably uh, my first project in uh, in customer experience management, which was uh, a typical net promoter score project back in 2003 or 2004. And uh, at that time, I was working for a, you know, a telco operator, and we started to basically capture a net promoter score and to use the information both through outer and inner close the loop. And then uh, after a while, I realized that at that time, there was not really... Um, a software uh, available uh, to support the whole process, end-to-end process. So I decided in 2009, beginning of 2010, to start, uh, you know, my own company together with a couple of brave uh, friends <laughs> I have at that time. And uh, and we started, yes. At that time, the name of the company was Castvox. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, we rebranded uh, to Sansiv. And now it's more or less 11 years that, uh, you know, I'm working in the field. I think I did probably around more than 100 projects by myself oh. in, in different industries and in different uh, uh, parts of the world. This is my background. Of course, uh, you know, is a passion for me. Uh, working 11 years hard uh, in a startup to develop. Uh, if you don't have a passion, you are uh, you are dead after uh, after a couple of years. Was really hard work, but you know, also a very nice world and field. Uh, to be, you know, and I still have the same passion, uh, especially, you know, my background is uh, in uh, in marketing analytics. So I was really the beginning of the of the marketing analytics. I started with database marketing in the in the 90s, and uh, uh, I was one of uh, you know uh, the pioneer in machine learning uh, in around the year 2000, uh, working with solution like SPSS. Clementine, etc., etc. Clementine, and, uh, wow, that, that takes you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm an old guy, you know. <laughs> that, 
Goodness, I use Clementine. The, the, uh, Clementine was basically bought by SPSS, and then SPSS was bought by IBM, and now I think they call it something like IBM Modeler or yeah. something like that. But it was oh, an right. excellent, excellent tool. It was great. And, it just, it just yeah. needed everyone in the business just to shut their systems off while you did your work, as I remember. But exactly. Exactly. I cut my teeth it, on it as well. You know, it was year 2000 but it was basically a low code uh, ie tool so nowadays they all talk about these no code low code ie tools but clementine was was there already mm -hmm. in, in 2000 and was of course not with the same algorithms that we have available today but uh, the concept the concept was, was there so i coming really from let's say the, the analytics part and but i, I really uh, you know had a lot of fun uh, working uh, especially understanding uh, customer experience customer journey mapping and how to support the whole process with technology so this is a little bit uh, my background so i'm quite good in in analytics but i'm really passionate with customer relationship management, customer experience. So really understanding understanding the customer and providing value to business uh, in terms of monetizing uh, customer uh, relationship, which doesn't mean that we try to get as much as possible out of the customer, but we yeah. can find, you know, the, the proper, um, you know, threshold in a way that the customer is satisfied and is happy and is happy also to pay maybe a, a premium price uh, uh, to to the company. Brilliant. Well, thank, thank you so much. And I realized, you know, come on, we've got a lot in common here, you know, members of the ECXO both have cut our teeth on Clementine and both are podcast hosts. So, you know, Frederico, you and I have got a lot in common here. This is great. So we are competitors, you mean? Yeah, uh... Exactly. Couldn't be more competitive. Couldn't be more competitive. Yeah. So, so like, like me, then, you've probably seen customer intelligence has grown up out of brand uh, research and product research and, and other areas. And as you say, yeah. even way back when in 2003, you were doing kind of NPS studies way back then. Yeah. Um, how has it evolved, do you think, customer for intelligence and where is it now what is it what is yeah, it but now? christopher this is this is an excellent question because if you think about you know how was the evolution in general of uh, you know the whole customer experience management and i remember you know when i started back in in 2003 it was not uh, really something a word defining uh, you know the process we put together so at that time i remember i had a call with some analysts from garner from the united states or forester and they told me yeah what you are doing is customer feedback management you know and then i said okay if you think this describe uh, <laughs> what i'm doing i'm okay you know and uh, what, what what does he mean it means okay there is kind of history so at the beginning, starting measuring something, you know. So, as you said, maybe measuring the the NPS, and then using those information in a better way uh, to improve something could be, you know, uh, to recover customers that were not extremely happy or uh, uh, to do other activities. Then to help the whole organization to better understand customers, uh, sharing dashboards, sharing KPIs. For instance, I'm not a, 
honestly talking, uh, Christopher, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of NPS in terms of mathematics and statistics, but it has a big value in helping organization at least to focus on the customer and the customer relationship. But this is a, a different story. And um, my point is, this, say, time uh, trip that we have seen, no, starting from 2004, 2005 till now, is also, in a certain extent, reflected in the maturity of the organization. So we have still organizations nowadays that they start uh, NPS measurement project and they don't approach everything related to close the loop, uh, inner and outer loop, etc., etc. We have more mature organization. I would say we, I see also customers that are extremely mature in, in, in this area and what they are doing Basically, they try to capture as much information as possible, uh, you know, related to customers and provide these informations to the organizations, but also to the IT ecosystem of the organization in a way that uh, basically they are really able to become smarter about uh, the customer and the customer relation. But also a, a very important point, they start to monetize, you know, the whole customer experience management project. And this is a very important aspect because I was talking before about, you know, the evolution or the maturity of those projects. And they have you know, something common in terms of return of investment. So return of investment is a very hot topic at the moment. It's something that uh, sometimes if you think only to measure the NPS or, uh, you know, just to share the, the dashboard and the, the KPIs, the information to the whole organization, it becomes quite difficult to understand the benefit, the impact, the revenues that uh, projects generates. And, uh, and then a lot of time I've seen organizations stop the whole process, stop the projects because they are not able to justify the investment. Becoming customer intelligence, which means in my opinion, really be able to capture those information, generate automatic analytics in a way that you send signal to systems, to people in the organization, and you are really able to track those signals. For instance, stupid example, you know, I'm a customer of a mobile company and I'm really upset about something. Uh, I received a survey, I answered to the survey, and then someone calls me and fix my problem. And then I receive another survey and say, hey, I, I'm extremely happy in that precise moment, and this is an analysis I've done using data, um, you know, in the past 10 years, in that precise moment, I'm 10 times more positive and, and my willingness to accept an order is higher than in any other moment. So it's a very precise information that you can send, for instance, to a marketing automation tool in order that this tool can provide me an offer. And this offer and the fact that I accept this offer can be then tracked back to this specific process and can be allocated to the return of investment uh, uh, that has been done with the, with the project. So this really explain in a nutshell and in, in a very bad way <laughs> how no, I, customer I like, intelligence is. Well, what I like about that <clears throat> is the, the journey you've just taken us on there. What it goes back to is actually the question around the first 
issue that led to the problem. Yeah. Then the intelligence is now, do we take it away? Because if we take it away, yeah. the subsequent positive experience, which results in greater commitment and confidence, will not occur. So only by seeing the information <laughs> flood through can you start yeah. to understand what decision do we make here? Whereas if you look at it, if you don't flood that intelligence through the organization, as you're saying there, you look at that KPI for that operational moment, which is, you know, we're not happy with this issue. We need to fix this problem. Take it away so we don't get the calls in the first place. Yeah. And everyone else is then looking and saying, hang on a second, our, our cross sales have gone down. What's happened? All our, our satisfaction scores have gone down. So I, I get your point entirely that it's not limited to one particular area, but who, who owns it? Yeah, this is an excellent point. But, you know, by similarity, it's a, it's a very difficult question. I, I honestly say I don't have a, a final answer. But if you think about, you know, and I was uh, for several years involved in business intelligence. So if you see what happened in business intelligence, now before there were really, you know, simply reports uh, for every department and those reports were really isolated in silos uh, in the departments, for instance, financial, sales, marketing, customer service, etc. If we see the same evolution in business intelligence, so nowadays you have those solutions like Tableau, Power BI, etc., that uh, basically there is a specific team responsible to extract the data. There are teams responsible to model the data in a way that makes sense for the organization. And then uh, we have such kind of beautiful, uh, you know, visualization layer on top, like Tableau, as I said, by the way, I'm not uh, selling Tableau or something like that. So <laughs> don't take this as a, as a visualization <laughs> tools are available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those information are available for the whole organization. So at the end of the day, to generate values for the business is responsibility for, for everybody. Of course, there are people responsible of maintaining those tools, but the same will be for customer intelligence, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So the customer centricity and responsibility to manage properly the customer relationship in a way that provide value will become part of everybody in the organization. So everybody must feel responsible for uh, the, the customer relationship and be responsible that the customer is happy and the customer generate more revenues with the company. Exactly the same. And then we will have, for sure, customer experience or customer intelligence team responsible, uh, you know, to make sure the whole organization is aligned around the processes created around uh, customer intelligence. So this is my vision. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah? Maybe in, oh, in a couple of years, you will call me Christopher and say, hey, we're bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, love it. I mean, you, you, just, you just connect all the dots up, don't you, Federica? That's what's wonderful yeah. here. I mean, what you're talking about there is not low cost. You know, it, it requires an investment and therefore... A financial director is going to sit there and say, how can I guarantee this is more reliably going to provide the return I need than another option out there? What well, One of the things I'm really interested to get your view on is when it comes to ROI, we, we do have these you know different ways of looking at it. If I look at a satisfaction score or a net promoter score, mm. I don't see a return on invest. That's a perception and it's an inference yeah. of what I'm going to do. There's no behavioral change. Like we've just said about the excellent example you provided, 
if the operational KPI shows I've managed to reduce the number of dissatisfied calls, that later cross-sell may not happen. So yep. is, is the only ROI you can use against things like share of market or incremental business? Or what, what's, your, what's your view on it? How do you go about making sure you can show the ROI on your customer experience management? First of all, uh, we need to have a certain link to a monetary transaction connected to a specific event if we want to prove whatever you want to prove. So at the end of the day, we need to measure, uh, and I totally agree with you, if we stop just to NPS or satisfaction or customer effort score, we have uh, really low probability to be able uh, to build uh, a proper business case and calculate the return of investment. So for that reason, I said, you know, customer intelligence is really be able to link some specific actions to monetary output. And this is uh, fundamental. Then the way, once you have this minimum granular, uh, granularity information, there are several ways to basically measure the impact. Of course, I did my MBA thesis on uh, customer lifetime value. So I would say, okay, you can use customer lifetime value. It's not easy, eh? <laughs> I tell you, because uh, there are a huge discussion on how to calculate the customer lifetime value, but uh, that could be one way. Or simply connect, you know, um, because at the end of the day, if we go very simple, we say, why you do a project like that? What are the reasons? So probably one reason is uh, uh, to increase loyalty of your customers. So you can link to churn uh, uh, reduction and understand what is the impact on monetary impact uh, reducing churn. Create new customers and is something also you can measure. Increase the share of wallet of existing customers, so increase the value of your portfolio. And this is another another way uh, where you can uh, you can create KPIs and, and measure the success of the project. And then, last but not least, uh, reducing costs. Mm-hmm. So increasing efficiency in the organization, increasing satisfaction to the customer, and uh, reducing costs. So you have several possibilities in my opinion, to be really able uh, to show uh, and calculate exactly the return of investment and create proper KPIs around it. Okay, so I I get that entirely. I mean, the the key thing there, as you say, is the change, the monetary change. If you want to show a return on a financial investment, you have to show the monetary change. Just taking that further then, a lot of the scenarios you've just given us there, like lifetime value and reduction of churn, these are going to be specific to the business strategy. And that business strategy is largely going to be dictated by the geography of a country, the maturity of that sector, all those inputs. So there's not a cookie cutter version, is it? You need to really understand the context and the specifics for that organization and that country. And and I know historically in customer experience, we've been slightly dependent on certain geographies. The work that you do, are you discovering that excellence and difference is global or or is it all this? Am I eluded? Is it all the same? Excellent questions. I would say it depends a lot and not necessarily for cultural differences, but for instance, we have at Sansiv, we have a lot of clients that they have operations in different countries and all different continents. Of course, there is a, a cultural difference, but I don't think it's, it's the big problem. Probably there is not a full harmonization of you know processes and systems. So 
you could have, for instance, now I'm just inventing uh, an organization in Austria that a certain process over a certain uh, customer journey in the same company, I don't know, in France, they have uh, a, a different approach and this generates, uh, you know, something that is different. Most important thing is, uh, you know, on certain KPIs, some, certain measures think global, but you know the actions should be done at local level it then for instance uh, uh, i don't know if you can mention the name of, of the customer but um, i have a project with a1 austrian telecom group they are six or seven countries and there is a very good uh, governance in place uh, they have really all the countries different issues different opportunities but since the governance is done in a proper way, then all these information are exchanged between uh, the people responsible uh, in the countries and all these informations then provide value to all, all the other countries. So I totally agree with your point. We have, according to the geographical locations, different problems, but all depends if there is a proper, uh, you know, general governance in place in a way that everybody can benefit yeah. from uh, from the work of the of the others. I've seen the same thing, um, not from a systems perspective, but the kind of that operating model. Yeah, if you've got that commonality, then you can uh, you can accommodate the the local differences. Um, so so you know something like the ECXO, how how valuable is it for you as kind of a, a resource to be able to connect up with different people from different countries and different parts of the world going through the similar challenges that you're yeah. you're facing and, and exchange ideas? I mean, what, what's the value of something like that to you? It's extremely valuable. Uh, I mean, uh, be part of a community where uh, you can find, uh, you know, experiences and suggestions from uh, uh, other people. Uh, you know, I'm focusing a lot uh, in my daily work about the natural language processing, for mm -hmm. instance. And, you know, I'm part, uh, I would say, of the medium community, if you want to call it in, in that way. But, you know, every morning I receive an email with the most uh, relevant, uh, you know, articles that have been posted by other people uh, in, in, in that community. And I can, I can also read the articles, connect with them, test codes uh, and things like that. And this is is important also in the customer experience. Have the ability, for instance, to be part of an organization like your European Customer Experience Organization, where you can uh, get in touch with other people. You can read, uh, you know, articles, or you can listen to podcasts like, like <laughs> your, you know, your podcast is, uh, in my opinion, is uh, is uh, is a big, big value because uh, we are not perfect. We do a lot of errors, and if we can avoid uh, to do an errors because we get an information or a feedback or a, a suggestion or advice from someone else in, in the community, uh, I think uh, is gold uh, at the end of the day. Mm. You know? Someone said exactly the same thing to me the other day that to get sort of unbiased, unconditional, uh, authentic and experienced advice is just so critical because you're, you're dealing with people who are like-minded and I guess the business we're in, it's about achieving better outcomes. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, it's never ending, isn't it? To your point, I mean, I, every day is a school day. You learn every single day. And, but you, what you want to do is to take from a source that you can trust and you value yeah. because there's yeah. so much information out there, isn't yeah. it? I mean, so which is, I guess, brings it back to what you do in as much as with the customer intelligence, 
not surely not every voice counts. Having integrity and quality of that intelligence is, is fundamental. And I yeah. think that's what the EDXO proposition is to make sure that that quality and that integrity exists. Yeah. Is, is that something you, you, you feel is important? I think the point, Christopher, is the quality of the community, you know, because inside the community, in my opinion, we can have also different point of views on something. But if we know that the whole community has a high quality, then we, we can also start a discussion uh, around a specific topic and try to understand what is better for me. That's yeah doesn't necessarily works for you and in your industry, but maybe works very well in my industry. So this is extremely important. We love having you a part of the community and you know, your breadth and depth of experience is exactly a, a reflection of that quality. And, you know, you've been very open with us here today. That's the integrity piece coming through there as well. So, so thank you. And uh, I really appreciate your, your time with us. And, you know, you're always welcome back. If there's any other topic you want to discuss, Thanks a lot, uh, Christopher, and uh, thanks a lot also to the European Customer Experience Organization, because I think they are going to provide uh, big value in, in the CX community in Europe. So thanks. Thanks again. I mean, it's a lot coming from you. Thank you. 